Does the channel provide value? Focus on the foundation. I am a travel vlogger. It's always about communication. Build those partnerships. What are the problems that you solve for your clients? Just being ahead on the technological side of things. Leading an organization. You not only want to survive, but you want to thrive. They said it wouldn't last, and they said that you can't drive profitable and incremental revenue through the affiliate channel. But here we are, 20 years later, and the affiliate channel is alive and kicking and generating profitable revenue for thousands of retailers across the globe. Hi, I am Jamie Birch, your host of the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast, where we talk to some of the industry's best and brightest about their careers, about leadership, and about how to drive profitable revenue through the affiliate channel. Hey, welcome to the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. I am your host, uh, Jamie Birch, CEO and founder of JEB Commerce. Uh, I am so excited about our guest today. Before we get started, I want to talk to you about a resource we have available for you. It is the 18-point Affiliate Program Accelerator Checklist. You can go grab that checklist at jbcommerce.com slash accelerator. And it walks you through, there's a video there and it walks you through all the things that you need to be doing and looking at to make sure your affiliate program is set up to grow and accelerate as quickly as it can. Now, today's guest is a good friend of mine and we just have a great conversation, is Diana G. Kalingo. She is currently the Senior Affiliate Manager for Tailored Brands. So if you don't know that name, you probably know Men's Warehouse and Joseph A. Banks. Now we talk about everything from a good baklava to learning how to cook. And then we talk about what it's like to work remote and what's been going on this year, uh, as well as like if you're an employer and a leader of people, you definitely want to listen to this about working remote. Uh, Diana tells us all the things that she would want an employer to know about working remote. There's some really good nuggets in here. So definitely listen to uh, this conversation. And there's something here for affiliate managers, how to manage through a bankruptcy. And there's something here for affiliates as well. So everyone is really uh, you you want to listen to this episode. So I'm just going to get out of the way and let you listen to my conversation with Diana G. Kalingo. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Diana G. Kalingo. You are here with us. Thank you so much for joining me on our podcast today. Well, thank you for having me today. I've uh, been excited to, to chat with you and uh, talk about all sorts of stuff. But how are things going for you in, in general? Oh, things are good. I mean, considering the pandemic and all, um, I've been spending a lot of time at home, but that's how it is, you know. Um, there is, I've been doing a lot of baking lately. I've <laughs> been doing a lot. I was going to ask about your cooking. <laughs> How's that coming along? Well, the baking is fine. Cooking, not so good. Well, we're learning the cooking thing. But the baking part, I've been making a lot of like cookies and, and pies and and just different things. Like I even learned how to make a baklava. And so that turned out pretty good. So No, yeah. that is my favorite food of all time. You can yeah. make a baklava. I made it with walnuts the first time. And I think it tastes better that way than with pecans. I tried it with pecans this past weekend and it didn't turn out as as well. So our listeners want to know what I need to do to get some homemade baklava sent to me. Just <laughs> I can tell they're going to ask this question. <laughs> yeah, all you need to do is tell me where to ship it and I'll ship it to you. 
<laughs> I would so enjoy eating one of your baklava and and maybe we record another podcast when we do that. That's fantastic. Now that's that's a that's kind of hard to do, right? I've never I've I've made a creme brulee uh-huh. that my wife says is the best creme brulee, you know, that she's ever that's had. That's hard to make too, um, though, you know. That is very hard to make. So I, I assume baklava is difficult as well. It's just a lot of steps because you have to like make sure you melt the butter, have the phyllo dough, make sure you don't dry out the phyllo dough. It's a lot of like you you um, baste the bottom of the pan with like um, the butter, then you put phyllo dough, another layer of butter, and then phyllo dough, another layer of butter, and then you start to like layer in the nuts and everything, and then add. Yeah, it's a lot of like back and forth, back and forth. Make sure you have all your ingredients and everything. I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> and I'm full. I just had lunch. <laughs> well, it's a perfect dessert for lunch. <laughs> it is. It is a perfect. Yeah. So uh, ha- have you baked before? Or is this all sort of a new uh, thing for you? I've been really good at baking and baking's been my thing. Like I, I also just learned how to make almond cookies too, It's which is what mm. my grandma's recipe. And so my um, my dad wanted me to make it before Chinese New Year's. And so like I made some almond cookies this past weekend and they turned out pretty good. That's awesome. I have family who celebrated Chinese New Year and that was one of my favorite uh, <laughs> times to eat some amazing, amazing food. And you've been uh, you you told me on our prep call yeah. uh, you're learning learning how to cook not oh, yeah. just bake but cooking, now cook yeah so cooking is a different story um, my husband used to do all the <laughs> my husband used to do all the cooking before he passed away and so now like when I'm trying to learn to cook I've been trying I have this new boyfriend and we've been trying to like uh, figure out this HelloFresh thing and HelloFresh mm. is like okay I mean it says it has six steps but it's not really six steps it's like five steps within the first step, you know, and they don't really really <laughs> label it out. I'm like, oh, we missed something. There's something missing. Why do we have extra ingredients at the end? We're on step number four already. And we're like, oh, we were supposed to add something. And he, like, the other day he was trying, we were trying to make panko chicken or something. I don't know. And he was like, I think I forgot something because we have extra sour cream. I'm like, because the sour cream goes on before you put the panko on. And so it's just like, <laughs> oh, no. oh, well, that's a disaster. <laughs> but it's been fun though. Like we get to know each other a little bit more. And like, we know that we both hate doing dishes at the end. So whoever mm. the house we're at ends up having to do the dishes at the end because we forget to clean up afterwards. But yeah, it's, just, it's like a disaster at the end. Like a tornado hit the kitchen. We're like, oh, what happened here? <laughs> my, my wife loves loves when I cook because she doesn't have to and <laughs> hates looking at the kitchen when I do. I tend to use every single dish in the house. Yeah. And it, like, yeah. It's just yeah, it a is. disaster uh, everywhere. Now, how is the, we, we were going to try some of those, uh, uh, those services yeah, uh, like HelloFresh and uh, our, our food, uh, we're a weird family, gluten free and vegetarian. Oh, it's a bit harder to like, find things. Yeah, it was very hard to find things. Have you tried more than one, or are you just taking a, a stab with HelloFresh? We just tried HelloFresh because it had like an introductory offer with like get eighty dollars off or something your first four boxes or something like that. And so we did like um, 
two boxes a week for like well, the first first month, right? So the first time we did it, we're like, okay, we'll try some spaghetti and we'll try some like something else. And then that was fine. We're like, okay, we get the hang of that. Spaghetti's not hard. But then like you go and you want to try something more authentic, like more Asian like cuisine. Mm-hmm. Like we're both Chinese, you know, so we we're like grew up in Chinese household eating Chinese food, you know, and Asian food, you know. And so when we open these boxes, like, oh, this is not how they make noodles. No, this is <laughs> like, no, this is not my grandma's recipe. No, this is not right. You know, like we had ramen the other day and it was like worse than the cup of noodles. I was like, no. Oh, no. no. I have to show oh, you no. the pictures because like there's like the picture of what they want it to look like and the picture of what it ended up like. No, no. And it didn't taste very good. I'm like, this is very white. Kind of, I don't want to say it like that, mm. but it kind of is like very Americanized. Like it's not Asian food at all. And we're like, okay, yeah, let's he, not try that one again. <laughs> and you said that in our prep call and it, it, I had never thought of that being, uh, you know, you're probably a pretty typical white guy. Uh, <laughs> I the things you have described so far and in our prep call of what they sent sound like all the things I had growing up. So I would never I would never even have thought that it would be a much different experience if if you're not a white yeah, American. Because I, mean, I grew up like my parents were born here, but like they make Chinese food all the time. So like we have like beef and tofu and like stuff like that and like sometimes we'll have duck and stuff and we'll have other things. But it's like when when you try to make like it in a six step type of thing it doesn't make it like that because a lot of like Chinese cooking is more than six steps you know and like to make broth it's more than just add like some concentrate to water or something it's it's more than that so like I know that from watching my grandma and my mom cook and everything but like I never really learned how to cook very well you know because they did all the cooking and then when I got married like my husband did all the cooking so it was like I got authentic food all the time you know <laughs> then, then I had to figure it out on my own but I to go to my parents every night for dinner just because like it's easier that way <laughs> it's safer that way too <laughs> uh, that's outstanding i mean we never get too old to crave our uh, our parents food right yeah my parents moved to arizona so it's a bit harder to get in my family some of our staples are things like corn pie where oh. from pencil and, and uh, Pennsylvania Dutch background. So uh-huh. uh, corn pie. And we we have this thing we, we would have every New Year's called pig stomach. And uh-huh. it, it kind of looks as gross as that sounds. But it's so good. Shoe fly pie. My sister makes this shoe fly pie. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got a molasses base. Oh, it's so good. But have yeah, you tried I, to make any of them? Like your own like dishes, authentic dishes from when you're growing up? Yeah, I uh, I have done corn pie uh, in college, and then mm-hmm. after that, and and uh, I'm pretty good at replicating that. My grandmother's, uh, my nana's cheesecake oh, is the best cheesecake around, and I've I've been able to replicate that. Um, I don't eat meat anymore, so uh-huh. the pig stomach is is not something. It's basically a big sausage stuffed in you the stomach of a pig. Like you probably wouldn't like a beef tongue because that's what my parents make too. Sometimes this beef tongue, and that's really good. I've had it, and it is really good. I agree. <laughs> well, <laughs> now that we... That's the first person that I've met that's white that's eaten it, okay? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, mostly Asian people eat it. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, was we've, a kid we've had it. 
And I was that kid growing up when I went to school at lunch and brought a thermos with rice and tongue in it. And everybody be like, what are you eating? And I'm like, food? You want to try some? <laughs> They're like, no. <laughs> it's food that tastes you back. <laughs> Uh, well, now that we, I'm adequately starving uh, <laughs> and hearing about all this food, why don't we dive into uh, you know the topic of the day okay. and affiliate marketing? You've been doing this for longer than I have, and oh, really? you've got some amazing experience. Yeah, I, I, you're you know we've been both been doing this a very very long time. Yeah, uh, and, you know. You go back to uh, 99. That's when I started as well. So how did you find uh, how did you find affiliate marketing and start your career? So after college, I um, applied at um, Sharper Image and that was like my first corporate gig after like I graduated, you know, and I was like, I was so nervous going to the interview because I've never worked like at corporate office before. Like I had some marketing jobs, but mostly I worked at the Cash Valley School District for like my whole, like half my life too, you know. So like um, it was different. So um, I applied there and I, and I went through the interview. And it was just more of a content specialist where it like basically copy and paste like the content onto the site. And so because I majored in um, computer information systems and marketing, you know, so I was like, oh, this will fit for my thing because it's pretty simple. You just need to know some HTML and stuff. And so after I started working there, um, I started doing like some of the banners and some of like the creative work on on the site. And then like the affiliate manager needed like some help with um, some banners. So I created that. And then like um, somehow in between I changed positions and I started working um, under the digital marketing team there. And um, then they're like, Oh, um, the manager for affiliate marketing left. Do you want to try and fill in for the, that spot? And I'm like, okay, I have no idea what affiliate marketing is, but sure. <laughs> um, but Natalie, who's my boss at the time, was really aw really awesome. She like helped me like learn all the lingo of it and everything. And so figuring out what a publisher meant, what an affiliate was, what, you know, just those simple things, you know, how to like term all the terminology, like when you're learning now that I look back at it, I go, oh, it was so easy before, like before just to know all that stuff. But at that time I was like, what does that all mean? You know, and I could see like everybody yeah. like nowadays are probably like that too when I explain affiliate marketing, but it's, it's basically, you know, um, that's how I got into it. And, um, I think like every time I said yes to something, because also at that time, Sharper Image was going through bankruptcy. And so like a lot of people were leaving. And so I said, yes, I'll do affiliate marketing. And then soon after that, the email person left and I said, okay, sure, I'll do that too. And so like, I just kept saying yes to things. And that gave me the opportunity to like grow my path where it is now. Cause after that, after um, Sharper Image, um, I left and I went to the North Face and I started their affiliate program and I started their email marketing program as well. So it, like all that stuff kind of helped me grow into the next step and in, in next phase in my career. That's awesome. And I want to highlight that for our listeners mm -hmm. saying yes. It, and it really mimics yeah. what you experienced and what you did is kind of why I got into this field. And, and I had several opportunities 
and one of them was here in the internet mm-hmm. and the others were in very typical uh, uh, industries, finance, uh, manufacturing, things like that. Mm-hmm. And the reason I went to the internet was I felt, I, I felt that if I can show responsibility in this one area that they're giving me uh, for the job, and there's all this other stuff emerging. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't know what was going to happen in 99. And and uh, sometimes I still feel that way. Um, <laughs> but I figured if I could show uh, capability and responsibility in this area, and I just kept saying yes to these other things, mm-hmm. then I would be able to do what would take me 10, 15 years in a, uh, you know, in a, a, a more traditional industry at the time, I could do that in five in the internet space. And it sounds like you did that really, t- really the, the same thing is say yes to, to everything. My first job was a paid search uh, or a SEO guru was my title. Mm-hmm. And they asked me if I could uh, manage their search engine optimization. I, I found out earlier that day what that term meant. Oh, you didn't and even I just know said, what it was. <laughs> I was walking out of my apartment and I looked at my uh, a friend of mine who was a consumer or a computer science major. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, man, I'm going I'm traveling to uh, Post Falls, Idaho for an SEO job. What What is search engine optimization? And <laughs> as I'm walking to the car, he's given me the computer science rundown of what this is and gave me a couple terms to use. And when I got there, they asked if I could do it. And I just said, yes. And <laughs> they didn't know otherwise. And so I got the job. So how important was that saying yes throughout your career? I think it's important, especially when you're in when you're fresh out of college also, and when you're also learning new things, you just say yes to it. And at that point, when you're young, you could pick up things real easily. Nowadays, I don't know if I could pick up things as quickly as I used to. <laughs> but like before, like I could say yes, and then I'll just go read about it later on, like that day, like you did, you know, and, and, and try to figure that out, you know. And um, I would say that like, it's like the best thing to just say yes to it because it gives you all these other opportunities and doors that open um it's the same thing happened in my teaching career path too because I was working at the adult school at the same time while this was all happening so I've always had two jobs okay so um I was a teacher aide before at the adult school and before that I was working in the office but they asked me do you want to be your do you want to be a teacher and teach high school diploma and I'm like sure and then they're like all you have to do is go get your you know teaching credentials and at that time it was really easy just like I had really good grades straight A's and everything so I was like one of those nerdy students you know and said okay I'll do it and then they 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 like tell you take a couple classes and you have good grades you know then they give you certification so I've been a teacher since then as well so I've been growing in both career paths I've I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do in life because I wanted to teach, but I also wanted to do affiliate marketing. So I just kept saying yes to both of them at the same time, but they all worked out because I would teach at night and I would work during the day in my day job. So I've always had two jobs and I still do like I'm working now during the day, but then I'll teach at night sometimes like, and I'll have like, a, like my class online instead, you know, cause now it's like we're wow. during the pandemic. And so it, it's been really rewarding and all in both sides of my life 
So, like, I've had, like, I go from a stressful day job, and then sometimes at night it would be less stressful because it's a different type of stress. It's helping people push themselves and help them learn and help have them say yes to getting their degree. Where's that work ethic come from? I don't know. I think it's just because <laughs> when I was little, I was always told, get straight A's, you know, get, get straight A's. Because I mean, grow up, you grow up in a Chinese household and you're the oldest daughter. They say, get straight A's and you go and do it, you know. And I was always rewarded for it. I always said, like, if I got straight A's, oh, can I get a radio in my room or something? This is like when we had like landlines and stuff. So it was like, can I get yeah. straight A's? If I get straight A's, can I get a TV in my room? If I get straight A's, can I have... Uh, a phone in my room. So at that point, it was like I had everything I needed <laughs> at that point. So I kept saying, well, if I keep saying yes to like getting good grades and everything, then my parents are going to treat me like respectfully as well, you know. But of course, we had our issues too because I was always going out a lot too, but I always had straight A's, so they didn't have anything to argue with me about that, you know. So, um, I yeah, I tell my kids that yeah. the the more you're uh, the more you're in line with your grades and chores and things like that, the more freedom you get. Yeah, and now that I have a ten year old, he doesn't care if he gets straight A's or not. Right now, he's total opposite <laughs> of me. He's like, but if I want Legos, I'm like, then you need to earn it. Then, and he goes, oh, okay. So if I do my chores and I do this, it's like motivation. You have to find the right way to motivate them, <laughs> otherwise they don't do anything. <laughs> The the world is about incentives, and I see you're using some of you know some tools that uh, benefit us as affiliate marketers early on, like negotiating. I'll do this if you get yeah. me this. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that would come in handy later on. It's like more give and take, and also relationship building. You know, you build those relationships over the years, and it helps you in the long run. I think. Yeah, definitely. Now, what were some pivotal decisions you made? Because you, throughout your career, you sharper image. You said yes. Mm -hmm. uh, then you launched the program at the North Face. Uh -huh. uh, and so, looking back on on your career, like what were some of the pivotal moments that you needed to make a decision? What did you What did you do, and how did you make those decisions? Oh, at the time after I was at the North Face for a while, I was there for like three, three or four years, you know, and I needed to make a decision on like to change jobs because I needed, I wanted more pay. And at that time they weren't paying enough, you know, and I just had a kid at that time. And, and I had to think for myself, I need something more, you know? And so I had, so I applied for another job. Um, I wasn't, thinking about leaving the North Face because it had such great benefits and it had great people there, but like pay wise, like I needed to make that decision. And so um, there was a position at account now, um, which was a, a prepaid card company and it paid a little bit more, but like I had to make that decision if I wanted to leave, you know, what I've known, you know, and grow and like, you know, started the program for, you know, um, so that was a pivotal decision because I had to make a decision for myself and my family and like thinking about how much time I was spending working and everything. Um, I'm, I'm, eventually I wanted to like only have one job, but that never happened, you know? Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of like happens. <laughs> I just kind of go with it. Um, yeah, well, you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kept saying yes to everything. <laughs> That's the only problem to you. Um, 
So I made a decision to go into um, prepaid cards, which is totally different affiliate marketing because it's a lead generation. And I didn't know a lot about lead generation at the time because I was always working in retail. And so that was a big decision too. But by saying yes to that position, I learned a lot more about affiliate marketing that I didn't know before. So like I'm finding like all these opportunities always happen for a reason. And I always find that if like another door opens for you, and another door shuts and at least this opportunity will bring you something new that you didn't learn before. Now, was it difficult to get that position? Because I've done both lead gen and retail, more retail than lead gen, and they are so different. Was that a uh, was that a stretch for you to get into that role? I think it was just learning the different dynamics of that side of prepaid cards. Like the interview itself was probably one of the easiest that I've had. Honestly, I was really like surprised. He didn't like, didn't ask as many questions as he did, but I think it was my personality that showed through, you know, cause I have a very bubbly and upbeat personality and I had, um, you know, the whole background of affiliate marketing. So he knew that I knew what I was doing. Um, it's just learning a new aspect of it, which, you know, it's just developing more relationships um, with different types of publishers that are more lead gen um, and not retail heavy, you know. So I think it was having that knowledge and the foundation of that that helped me. Um, and I was always willing to try anything new. And I think he saw that, too. That's outstanding. Now, tell us what you're doing now. Um, so right now, I work at Tailored Brands, and I run the program for um, Men's Warehouse and um, Joseph A. Bank, and I'm the Senior Affiliate Marketing Manager now. Awesome, awesome. Those are two really well-known uh, brands, and both I've personally uh, been a customer of, <laughs> uh, so that's that's really exciting. Now, um, what would you tell your 20-year-old self now? If you could go back, what would you say? About my personal life or about my like career path? <laughs> Probably professional, yeah. <laughs> um, so professional, I would tell myself probably to learn how to cook sooner rather than later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little harder when we get older, huh? Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. It's like you're kind of stuck in your ways. Um, That's awesome. Um, professionally, I would say... Um, keep saying yes to things, keep learning things. I think learning how to deal with different types of people, because in college at that time, when I was like 19, 20, I was in college, we had a lot of group projects, you know, and I was always the person that was in charge of the project because I wanted to make sure we had good grades on that project. So you learn to like manage people and manage expectations and how to get people to do their work or you just do it yourself so you can get that good grade. Um, So you just have to learn your sacrifices, I guess, at that time. Um, but at the time I probably would tell myself, you know, work is <laughs> different than, you know, school, but it's also mm-hmm. similar in the way that you interact with people. You have to have good relationships with people to get them to do the work that you want them to do. And it still holds true now, like as a manager, you have to, you know, be on good graces with these people and also not like treat them like crap, you know, to get them to get the work done, you know? Yeah, well, it's really good advice. And both of them, learn to cook earlier and keep saying yes. <laughs> I love those. What would you tell yourself oh, when you're that young? Uh, geez, at 20 years old, I hadn't quite yet made it to college. 
And mm-hmm. I probably, I probably tell myself to get my rear end gear a little earlier. Were you not a good <laughs> student back then? <laughs> no, I was, I was, well, uh, what would they say? I had a lot of potential. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, those are I, those students that I get afterwards that come back through and want their high school diploma. They have a lot of potential. <laughs> yeah, I was real close to not graduating high school. And uh, so it took me a few years, um, a few years to kind of get back to it. And in college, I, I graduated with honors. I, I did really well and, and got through it fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I probably would say to relax and you have time mm-hmm. because I believe at that, at that 20 year old, I was uh, really struggling with what I was going to do the rest of my life, uh, which seems kind of funny now, but uh, there was a lot of pressure on figuring that out. And I was still young enough to be not care about it as well and making really stupid decisions. So <laughs> I'd probably say, you know, it, on one hand, you know, get your life in gear and on the other, like relax about it too. I don't mm-hmm. know if that makes sense, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I put these questions together for you. I never thought of how I would answer that, but that's probably, <laughs> that's probably what I'd say. I want to slap myself in the face and tell me to get moving. And at the same time, relax about getting moving. Right. It's either you're motivated or you're not motivated. There's different ways that you can motivate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it really took until, uh, well, my parents had to kick me out Ah. and they, and that was the second time they kicked me out or the second (laughs) time I left. (laughs) I can't remember. (laughs) No, the first time was, uh, was earlier. I was just a, you know, graduated high school Uh and, uh, you know, was doing things that those kids do, you know, drinking and partying. And my parents told me, I don't know if they told me to leave the first time or I just did. (laughs) And then I came back and the second time my dad took me out to dinner and he Uh said, Hey, so you can go in the army. Mm-hmm. You can go to college or you can just leave tonight. Wow. And I went, uh, well, I don't really want to go in the military. No disrespect to those who serve. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to do that. Um, college seemed easy. And uh, that gave me some time to not have to be homeless that night. And, you know, <laughs> being homeless that night seemed kind of difficult. So, uh we applied to school and I, I went to school. So uh, I was a little bit, I think, failure to launch was kind of my thing. <laughs> I, I had a pretty easy, I, I had things pretty well, but, you know, pretty good off uh, from 18 to 20. Uh-huh. And uh, my parents had to basically, uh, well, not basically, they had to kick me out <laughs> for me to, to get things going. But yeah. So yeah, you didn't want to originally was- go to college then? I always knew I probably would. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wasn't thinking about it, to be honest with you. I was at the time I was installing satellite dishes and audio video systems mm-hmm. for homes and uh, restaurants. Mm-hmm. And I got to travel six states by myself and train people uh, all over Washington, Oregon, Alaska, Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming. And so every six weeks, I spent two weeks on the road. And then I, I was training all the these staff on how to use the system and earn more tips by using it. And 
Then when I'd come home, I'd install these really awesome Bose home stereo stuff. And so I was doing really cool stuff. So I never really thought about it. Uh, and then when I had those three options presented to me, college seemed, uh, like probably the easiest and I could still maintain a lot of the stupid lifestyle I was living. <laughs> and, uh, so I, but I went there, I, I, I really pulled my head out at that point and went in and, uh, you know, hit it with, you know, all cylinders firing and, and got out there and got out of there about three and a half years and went every quarter, summers included, and oh, worked my tail right. off at a at a horse ranch, mm -hmm. and then uh, and then got right to my career as soon as I could. In fact, I taught my last class on e-commerce. Uh -huh. My last class to graduate, uh, I actually taught because I was already working for that company in Post Falls. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So now we have had a crazy year. And you have this experience that I think is really uh, unique uh, for many of us who are just starting to work remote this year. You've mm -hmm. worked remote for almost your entire career, right? Well, not all, Good part but mostly like, like the past five years. Um, when I started working at Foreo, I worked at Foreo for five years and they were based out of, um, Croatia. So I got, I was lucky oh, wow. and, or, and I was start. I just worked from home because after I left, um, account now, um, I was looking for something remote because my husband was sick at the time. So I wanted to make sure I had time to help him and take care of him, but also yeah. like work, you know, so, um, the, this opportunity presented itself and I feel like everything happens for a reason at the right time in my life. You know, it's not what I plan, but it just happens and it kind of works out. Um, I guess I'm just lucky, I guess, or I have a really good guardian angel up there. <laughs> um, but like, um, Foreo was awesome. I got to travel. I got to work remotely. I got to travel to Croatia like a couple times. Um, we also have an off, we had an office in like Vegas as well. So I was there a lot too. Um, so I learned a lot, um, working internationally, um, with different, um, people in different countries. Um, at the, when I first started there, like I was working, um, like all hours because Croatia was early in the morning for me. And then I was also working with Shanghai because they had an office there as well. So it was like um, all the three brands that I worked with, which was um, Foreo, Lalo and Intamina. And like they were all in different countries. And so I felt like I was constantly like working all the time and I had to learn to like, oh, yeah. I had to learn how to like shut down sometimes and not be on all the time because I would have really early morning calls with Croatia because they'd be on around 630 my time. And then like I'd have to talk at midnight to to um, someone in Shanghai, you know, so it was I had to manage my time a little bit wisely. And so I learned like how to manage the time and how to get your typical eight hours. It's never typical eight hours as affiliate marketing, you know, but like. We work, you know, our hours that we need and get the out, get the work done. And I'm a very determined person, so like I know like how to manage time and schedules. Um, a lot of the time because I'm always managing schedules for my family and everything. So um, I had to just manage my own expectations as well, and just like take a couple hours in the middle of the day and so and take time off then instead of trying to work all 12 hours from like 6 30 in the morning to like midnight you know so 
Otherwise, you get burnt out real quick. Yeah, and that flexibility. We we have clients in in both of those regions, and uh, sometimes on the same team. So it's mm-hmm. it's a little easier to say, well, hey, you, the, person A, you're going to take that morning call, and person B, you're going to work later. But it's really hard to do that when you're A and B. <laughs> and figuring figuring that out now that was your your first big uh for foray into uh working remote what were some of the mistakes that you made early on as a remote uh, employee probably not being organized having like a a set area to work at because I was working at the kitchen table. I was working like in the living room and it was just like kind of like all over the place, you know, and nothing was always set. And I was always losing like papers and stuff like that because I I had a kid at the time that was running around all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. um, just not being organized. And I think like once I was able to find a set area to sit at, you know, and organize myself and like kind of like work, think of it as your work area, you know, mm-hmm. and the rest of the place is just like the house. Like I don't do dishes during the day because that's not part of my work hours, you know, I'll wait till the end of the day or something like that. And it doesn't bother me. You know, I'm the type that let lets all the housework just be like there for the end of the day not during work hours but yeah i'll throw in a you know laundry during the morning hours to start you know but i won't touch it for the rest of the day um but just learning how to manage your your schedule your expectations for like when people think that you're working at home you know, they say, oh, are you really working? And I'm like, yeah, I'm working. Like, my parents always drop by and say, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, working. I'm on a call. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, okay, because they'll drop by and drop off groceries and, like, whatnot. But it was just, like, I have to tell them. Like, you have to set, like, your foot down and say, no, we can't just keep coming over at random times of the day because I'm on a call. Um, we could um, set time in the middle of the day during lunchtime, you know, because I do have my lunchtime hours that I set, you know. So, yeah, having, like, expectations set, too, you know, an organization. And that's a great, uh, you know, my first uh, work remote situation was with a company out of New York. Mm-hmm. And I was the only remote employee. So I definitely battled at times. Like if I wasn't available, uh-huh. then, and, you know, maybe I was taking a bio break or yeah, right? <laughs> grabbing a sandwich. If I wasn't available, I always felt like there was an impression of like, well, you're not working. Well, yeah, I, feel I, like I don't always I have that. I felt like. I had to push harder or I had to work harder or to show that I was working harder, be online longer. I don't know. I feel like that. Yeah. Do you think that pressure is still there now that, you know, we're all working remotely? Well, we're all working remotely, but we all know, I think now like that I've been working, like for the past year we've been on quarantine, right? So we've been working remotely almost a year now. So like technically everybody's kind of used to like, the ebbs and flows of someone's day but I do notice that a lot of people still schedule meetings at 12 noon and I'm like who does that don't schedule <laughs> meetings at noon <laughs> I want to eat lunch <laughs> you know um so I try to block time in my schedule now where it's like I set a lunch schedule 
no one blocks any time off there, you know, because you do need that break in the middle of the day. I'll start earlier in the day, you know, like I, I like to start early in the morning at 630 in the morning when everything's quiet, you know, check your mm-hmm. emails. And I find that spreading out your day um, kind of helps a little bit. Like you don't feel so rushed to get everything done, you know? Yeah. I Like I'll start work in the morning, check emails, get my kid up at seven and then I'll take him to my parents and drop him off. And so he could do school there. And then I come back. So it's like, I'm not constantly at my desk, but I'm also not constantly not away from my desk, you know, but it's just having that, the flexibility to do everything in between things and then setting your schedule and time for when you do set your meetings up and everything. What's your organization routine? Because you've mentioned that a couple of times. Do you have a routine to stay organized? You mentioned, uh, you know, waking up early, getting started, blocking mm-hmm. out your calendar. Um, uh, I have a routine that I use, I start on Monday morning that helps mm-hmm. me get organized. Do you have a routine or is it just kind of tools that you use throughout the week? Um, some of the things that help me are waking up early. Um, I have breakfast and coffee in the morning before I start my day. And I know everybody doesn't like to eat or drink early in the morning, but I need that quiet time just to kind of think about how I'm going to tackle my day today. Like, cause before all the craziness of your kid waking up and everything and dropping off and doing all this stuff in the meetings that happen all throughout the day, I check my schedule and I go, what's, what's my plans for today? And I look at, you know, how like what my plans are for the week kind of just to kind of get a uh, kind of a, a graze of it all um and then um I have a notebook that I kind of old style like I just like write all my notes down on a notebook um and kind of put boxes of my tasks for the day like Monday morning is definitely report morning you know you got to pull mm-hmm. all the reports and everything and analyze everything so I block time in my schedule for that you know um and just kind of like start off the day that way if you know I wake up late on a Monday then I feel kind of like not productive I feel like I'm kind of scattered so I try to like make sure everything is kind of situated like I make sure I wash all the dishes the night before so I can make breakfast on time, you know, or yep, whatnot. Yep. I do the same thing. Yeah. Cause I've learned that like, if you run late in the morning, the rest of your day is kind of late too. So, and I'm not like the type of person that likes to be late anywhere. I'm very much on time and very early bird, you know? So like, I want to like be efficient with my time, especially with all these things that I'm doing where I'm working two jobs and I have a kid and, you know, have all these other responsibilities, you know, so it's more being more efficient with your time. And if it's something that you can do without, don't do it then, you know, um, and you just have to learn sometimes to say no to things. Like I know I say yes to a lot of things, but if people yep. just go out to lunch or something and it doesn't fit within my day that day, I have to say, no, we'll go another day, you know, or something like that you know, or something. Yeah. Now what what do you think leaders, employers, managers should know that maybe their staff isn't uh, doesn't feel comfortable enough to tell them about working remotely, whether what it's like or what they need, how uh, or how the leadership is making it more difficult? What what do uh, what do employees want their employers to know? To give them the time to um, organize their a desk area, make sure they give them the time to have like a work. Space in their house. Um, 
some people work better in the morning, let them work morning hours, you know, if they work better at night, let them work majority of their hours at night, but be available for those meetings when you need them. Um, but also don't schedule meetings during the middle of lunch. Um, that's kind of not like, <laughs> I don't like meetings in the middle of lunch. I want to eat at that time or try to go work out, but mostly eat, you know, um, <laughs> I've tried That's to a like, good one. I have to look. I may <laughs> schedule meeting. I I am up at five. I work out, and so I'm usually eating lunch at like ten forty five or eleven. So yeah, I, I have to look at, at my calendar. Too. Yeah, I may <laughs> I may totally be booking meetings at noon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like I'm always like, oh, I got a meeting at noon. I'm like, that means I have to rush to eat lunch or something, or you know. Um, a really good thing. And I loved your thoughts on some people work better at night than the morning. And, you know, I think what we found this year is a lot of those jobs and those office places that everyone thought like we couldn't possibly work remote and mine included. We, Mm -hmm. we gave two flex days per week before this. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, no, we need that time face to face. Well, we're a year later. It's probably nine months for us where we don't have an office yeah. and everyone's just as productive. The culture is uh, still very good. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of showed us like, well, okay, we didn't need an office. And so I wonder if there's a bit more of that, like maybe we don't need the regular nine to five. Like you said, Mm -hmm. if, if I'm a night owl, that's maybe when I do my best work and give some flexibility to that. I don't know if I'm ready to do that, but that's a really (laughs) good insight. And I also find that since we've been working remotely, I've met more people through my teams and through my um, company, through the meetings online, through Zoom, you know, because they don't just walk by my desk anymore or, you know, because I sat in the middle of the aisle. I thought I would meet more people, but I don't, you know, and I was also really really new to the company, too. Like I was only like two or three months into it before we went on. On, on on working remotely and I was so glad of it because I was tired of the commute you know because I really hate commuting um yeah. but <laughs> but I've I've met more people through our zoom calls and through our meetings than I would have during just meeting in person and I feel like I've been more productive now than I have if I would have been in person because we have meetings to be specific about things and be careful about everybody's time, you know, and then we go and get the task done. We don't go have a meeting about a meeting to have a meeting, you know, Um, it's like you meet everybody and you see them on the camera and then you see their, their title and you go, Oh, I know what they do. Um, And we have these big like team meetings every like Tuesday mornings. And I've met like 80 more people now than I have if I, you know, than I wouldn't have, you know, when I was in office. Yeah. And two things that come to mind. One is, is more intentionality in developing relationships. Like it seems in, in our workspace, sounds like in yours, there's more intentionality, you know, uh, between everybody and by everybody to make those connections. And then the other thing I wanted to, to say, you talked about commute. And I think as leaders, we forget how taxing yeah. Uh, a commute can be on our staff. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, for me, I love driving. So I used to yeah. love the half hour commute. Uh, <laughs> you know, I listen to my podcast or you just think about getting ready for the day. Yeah. And then I kind of decompress on the way home, but not everyone's like that. And no. not every commute 
is a straight shot through, you know, the beautiful countryside of North no. Idaho. So. <laughs> no, that's not, it's not in the Bay area. Not like that at all. Um, no, I no it's commuting crazy. an hour each way. And it was really taxing on me because I was like, I could get more work done while I'm, while I was at home for this hour, if I didn't commute, you know, or something like that, I would just, I find that I was really grouchy at the end of the day after a commute. (laughs) And which is the last thing your family and your kids need is you come home and you to be grouchy and figure that out now. Yeah. So, cause I was used to working at home for so long that when I did commute, it was like totally, totally bad after that. I was like, Oh, I can't do this anymore. And I would talk to my friends on the phone while I was driving, but I was still stressed out, you know, and I knew like I needed to like decompress before I went to, went home to see my kid, you know, cause otherwise he'd be like yeah. stressing me out even more, you know? So. Yeah, I hear you. No, I, I, I raised uh, two on my own for uh, five years. And I, I remember that, uh, you know, feeling you want to be present when you when you get home. Now, mm-hmm. let's talk about the last year with affiliate marketing, mm-hmm. affiliate marketing in the pandemic. What's the year been like for you? Oh, it's been really different. Um, so when we came back, because I was on furlough for two months. And so when we came back, I had to like restart the program again, basically. So it was like really hard to like get things back to the levels that they were before. And um, I think it was just trying to get the um, publishers back on board to the same levels, producing the same traffic and the same sales volumes. It's still been a struggle. And also with like, with the pandemic and people not purchasing as much, it makes it harder on sales numbers too. So there's all the different factors in that. Yeah, and your your two brands. Um, this is what uh, I was listening to a completely unrelated podcast uh, mm-hmm. earlier or last week, and they they shared a stat that uh, men's shoe companies, not mm-hmm. like uh, sneakers, but dress shoes you'd wear to the office, they're really suffering because we don't have to buy shoes to go to the office and a lot of <laughs> men's warehouse and Joseph A banks a lot of that clothing is for that so you experienced a dip because people didn't need the product and then now as things are getting back up mm-hmm. trying to get everyone back in again mhm and the funny thing is i think our shoes are doing pretty good too. And I was like, where are the people going to, with shoes on if they're working from home? <laughs> you don't get all dressed up when you work from your, your oh special spot at your house. I haven't worn jeans in a year. <laughs> I realized honest. the other day I was at the supermarket and I looked down and I had slippers on and I um, realized yeah. I'm like, I hadn't worn shoes in three weeks. <laughs> I'm in like sweatpants uh, and flip flops for every day now, except for like yep. if I go for a walk or run or something, then I'll use my my running shoes. But still, I'm just kind of like comfy all the time, and I'm like, why bother? <laughs> yeah, a uh, business casual has definitely meant something different in the in the pandemic. Yeah. Now, it's hard to plan. It, it, for me, it's it's been hard to plan yeah, from planning. a corporate perspective. Because planning, you know, you're you're looking ahead, and mm-hmm. since March of last year, mm-hmm. it's been every week has been something different. So how how have you been planning, uh, you know, since the pandemic hit and and now going forward? Like, how do you plan for your affiliate channel success? It's hard because like I'm used to like planning a month or two in advance for placements, and 
these placements I've been like buying the day of or the week of, you know, and then that's totally not my style. Um, but because of the way the company was running and, and changing their offers and their promotions to go with what the customer was buying at the time, we had to constantly change the promotion and then change the placement. And so at a certain point, like, like maybe like Thanksgiving day, I was buying placements still, you know, for Black Friday or something. And oh, yeah, the day before. Yeah. And that's usually not what I'm used to planning. I'm used to like, okay, I'll start planning in September, October, you know, for the rest of the year and I'll have everything locked in. But no, that's not how it is this year. I was literally every week scrambling to like, okay, what placement can I buy now? Oh, I can, I have money now. Oh, I can buy it now. Okay. So it was just like constantly chasing things and not, and being more, reactive than proactive and I know it's not like the best thing to be like thinking of but like that's the only way I could describe how how it felt at the time was just being reactive you know oh we're gonna have offer next week okay I better buy some placements for next week then (laughs) you know and and now going forward now is it still that same sort of assess the situation and react to it and plan as best you can or do you think you're able to get out of a few more months i think now we're planning a little bit ahead more at least two to three weeks ahead out you know versus you know like the day of but um definitely better in planning and i feel like with the vaccines coming and having you know the government like helping out a little bit more now we can um kind of plan a little bit better we know that things are opening up now like um not as many states are under quarantine california is kind of still under like some kind of quarantine it's just very like limited to like you can go out but like like the store capacities are like 20 25 percent or something you know um so it's different now i mean now that we know that things are slowly opening up we can kind of pace it out late later um to to plan for placements yeah and we're seeing the same thing there's a little or there's a lot more stability Mm -hmm. and you know we know a lot more about it now and the vaccines rolling out like you said and, and those things so one of the things i wanted to talk to you about is is you had the experience of working at a company managing their affiliate program through a bankruptcy Mm-hmm. And this, I don't think, gets a lot of attention in our space. Uh, but there are some real unique problems that come with that mm-hmm. uh, in getting through it and rebuilding afterwards. So can you talk to me a little bit about and really share for our listeners that may not be aware, and especially affiliates, uh, of how that all works and some of the unique things involved in it and your experience with it? So some of the experiences like that I know that are impactful are like how the publisher feels about your company and how confident they feel that they're going to get paid. A lot of it, you know, has to do with their commissions. And so we have to like give them the confidence that we'll pay them. So some of the bigger publishers, they require prepayments, you know, so we'll prepay like, a month or, you know, uh, whatever the placements are ahead of time, just so that way they feel confident that they'll get paid during the time that, you know, 
or bankrupt or something or under reconstruction, you know. So it's um, that um, plus having the confidence that the publisher can still drive the amount of traffic as well or if they want to, you know. It's a, a lot of that. And, and even though, like, you have, like, these great relationships, sometimes their finance teams don't see eye to eye on that, you know, because they're looking at the numbers yeah. perspectives while you're still, like, trying to maintain their relationship with your account manager there. You know, it's just a little a little give and take there. Now, one thing that I remember uh, managing accounts that went through bankruptcies and, and one of them went through two in four years was mm-hmm. the affiliates they have a contractual uh, agreement with the advertiser through mm-hmm. the network to be paid on sales that happen. But mm-hmm. when you go through a bankruptcy, the uh, the judge determines who gets paid mm-hmm. and how that restructuring is happening. And in both of or in in all of the instances that I've been managing a program or my company has, where the advertiser went through bankruptcy, there was a period of time where affiliates they weren't going to get paid. That was yeah. part of the restructuring. Yeah. So did you experience that? And then, and what were the affiliates like? Yeah, we did experience that. Um, we, we didn't pay for a certain period of time because of the filing. Um, but yeah, the publishers were not happy, but there wasn't anything that we could technically do. We could just tell them to go fill out a form online for them to um, appeal for it. And so that was the, the process. We just were told they can go fill out the form, appeal for it, and then see when and if they get paid after the um, bankruptcy is done and they emerge. You know. Yeah. And did you lose any partnerships, uh, you know, long-term because they, you know, what I've found is, not a lot of people understand how that works. And even some well-known affiliates, big affiliates don't necessarily know the mechanism of how they get paid. They, they don't realize that the commission is earned an invoice is sent to the advertiser. The advertiser has 30 days to pay it. And any of those outstanding invoices are subject to the bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. So they may not get paid. So uh, there were several times where it took years to get an affiliate back in. Did you experience anything like that? There were a handful of them that didn't want to work with us during that time. Um, but once we um, emerged from it, then they came back on board and it just took a little time to, it's still taking time to like get up to the same volumes and numbers, but, but also we're also in the middle of pandemic too. So it's not really like the fairest way to like measure it. Um, I, I, yeah. I don't know. It's like you feel like you're got, I don't know, all the odds against you at, at one point, you know, trying to get things up and running. Yeah, it uh, definitely can be overwhelming, especially this year. So do you have time for one more question? Yeah, yeah. So what does 2021 look like? What do you think is going to happen this year? Um, we're going to get our vaccines. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, praise the Lord. I know. Um, and, um, hopefully get back to a little bit of normalcy. Um, I don't even know what normalcy is right now. I'm so used to being in the house and baking and everything, but I think I've yeah. learned that, you know, what's more important now than what it was before, you know, enjoying the small moments with friends, you know, cause you don't 
get to always have those moments, you know. I spent a lot yeah. of time with my family, but I'm kinda of, I mean, as much as I love them, I'm a little tired, but wait but at least like I have somebody have like a set of people that we can like depend on, you know. Because without them, like, I wouldn't be able to do what I do now, you know. I wouldn't be able to work and anything because they help watch my kid, you know. I've been really grateful for that, and I don't know how I would have done it, like, with school, with my kid going to school and me, like, working, and, yeah, it was was crazy. But um, definitely appreciate the small things in life now. Yeah, definitely. It it has been one wacky year. Well, Diana, thank you so much. I have enjoyed our conversation immensely. Lots of really good stuff in here. You, you know, you were a fantastic guest. So thank you for joining. Now, if anyone wants to get in touch with you and maybe ask questions about some of the stuff we talked about or or just make a connection, what's the preferred way for them to either connect with you or follow you? Um, they can follow me on Instagram or they can follow me on LinkedIn or they can email me. Um, I mean, I'm always open to anything. They could text me if they really want to. <laughs> well, I won't give out your phone number, no, but no, what's no, your no, Instagram handle? <laughs> but, um, yeah, you can Instagram me on LilD99 or um, on LinkedIn. It's under Diana G. And um, Facebook if they want to find me too. All right. Well, I will include some of those links in our show notes. Uh, Diana, again, thank you so much for taking an hour out of your time and and an, actually an hour twice because uh, I was in the wrong room last time. No worries. So. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and it's been fun chatting with you. Man, oh man, Diana, thank you so much for joining me on the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. There's so many things we talked about and I am going to definitely send you my address. I would love to try uh, your homemade baklava. That sounds so good. In fact, all the food we talked about sounds great. But, you know, I really want to highlight some things. I want you to, if, if you are an affiliate, or an affiliate manager, and either the company you work at or you work with is going through a bankruptcy, definitely go back and listen to that. It is a unique situation and it can really ruin relationships. And that's important in affiliate marketing. And what you heard Diana say is how she was able to get the partnerships back. And so you really wanna listen to that, prepaying at that uh, moment, but really think about transparency, talk about this and get those things out there as soon as you can. But there are some really good pointers on working remote that, you know, set aside a certain area to work at, be really, really organized, and definitely block your time out for lunch. So uh, you can follow Diana, we will include all her socials, Uh, in the podcast show notes at jbcommerce.com. And Diane, I can't thank you enough. It's a really, really good conversation. Can't wait for others to listen to it. Now, don't forget, if you're a listener, we have an 18-point affiliate program accelerator checklist available to you. So that is an eight-point checklist that you can walk through and really evaluate your affiliate program to see if it's set up for success. You can go to jebcommerce.com slash accelerator, and that is totally free uh, for you to download uh, and easy access. And thank you for listening. If you found this podcast Uh, helpful and useful, please go to Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever podcast player you are listening to or listening uh, with and give us a review. A five-star review would be great. And if you found it so useful, you think others should hear it, then definitely share it in Facebook and LinkedIn, Twitter, and 
everywhere and send it to someone who you think would really do well with uh, well for listening to it. Uh, so thank you for listening and a special shout out to my team here at JB Commerce, who really is the backbone of this podcast. Shane, uh, you do so much for us. I really appreciate your hard work, all the editing and, and you just make this podcast look great. And then Katie, all the work you do on the back end and then the show notes and putting that together. Really appreciate both of you. So yeah, and if you need any help with your affiliate marketing, as always, you can email me at gethelp at jebcommerce.com or you can set up time with me at calendly.com slash Jamie Birch. Thank you and have a great day.